This is Dave Green from East Line Studio, where we produce the Historians Podcast with Bob Cudmore. In the coming weeks, we'll be speaking with authors and historians from all over the country. If you'd like to join us, email bobcudmore at yahoo.com. The Historians airs each and every Sunday morning on bobcudmore.com and soundcloud.com. Search East Line Studio. The Historians is also heard on Rise, Mondays at 11.30 and Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Rise, the WMHT service for the blind and print disabled, WMHT.org. This is the Historians Podcast, and I'm Bob Cudmore. We welcome Dave Ruck to the program. How you doing, Dave? Doing great, Bob. Dave Ruck is a performer and teaching artist from Buffalo. He's on the Historians Podcast with us now, and he's going to perform traditional and historical songs of New York State at 7 p.m. on Saturday, June 13th, at the good old Maybe Farm, the historic site, Route 5S in Rotterdam Junction, sponsored by Schenectady County Historical Society. He's also performing at that program with the Lost Radio Rounders. You hear them on the local radio here in the Capital District. But let's get to one of the tunes that Dave is going to play for us today, Dave Ruck from Buffalo, the performer and teaching artist, and you're going to play a, a, a song, it's instrumental, but it has to do with a famous uh, character in in these parts. He's written about by Don Williams, the Adirondacks uh, writer, among others. The character is Nick Stoner. What is this tune? That's right, Bob. In fact, I heard Don Williams talking about Nick Stoner on uh, one of your previous podcasts, which is wonderful. Uh, this is a piece of music that was reportedly played at the Battle of Plattsburgh in 1814, which was a really important American victory uh, towards the, well, in the final, uh, say, third of the uh, War of 1812. And um, Nick Stoner was a fifer in, for the American side. Uh, the fife was a little metal or tin flute that would have been played. And he was said to have played this piece of music um, while they took an armistice, they took a break to bury the dead uh, and clear the battlefield of uh, injured bodies towards the end of the Battle of Plattsburgh. And this is the piece of music he was said to have played uh, while that was while that was happening. Hmm. But there are two versions we're going to hear of uh, Rosalind right. Castle. How did that come about? Yeah, um, it's interesting. Uh, I do a lot of work sort of diving into the oral tradition here in New York State and how some of this music came across from the from the British Isles and then changes as it as it gets passed from ear to ear. Uh, and so what we have at the end of uh, the piece of music that I play as Rosalind Castle, I tacked on a second version, which is basically how the uh, North Country fiddle players were telling each other um, that Nick Stoner played it 150 years later. <laughs> we have a recording, I have a wonderful home recording of a man named Lawrence Older who's sitting with some friends in the 1970s. He says, here's that song that Nick Stoner played at the Battle of Plattsburgh. It's called Rosalind Castle. And Bob, it's a completely different melody, as you'll hear. <laughs> All right. Well, let's listen to both the versions of Rosalind Castle as performed by Dave Ruck.
Roslyn Castle, performed uh, in both uh, directions, if you will, uh, by Dave Ruck. What uh, instruments uh, were, were you playing there? I was primarily playing an instrument that's called an octave mandolin. It's an instrument that I get a lot of questions on when I perform live. It's essentially, if, if you're familiar, listeners are familiar with a, a traditional mandolin, which is about the size of a violin, but it's played more like a guitar. Um, the instrument I was playing is called an octave mandolin. It's sort of like a, a cello is to a violin. It's in the same family, but it's a much bigger instrument with a much deeper and more resonant sound. So that's mainly what you were hearing, and then there was a little bit of guitar and uh, straightforward mandolin at the end there. Dave Ruck is a performer and teaching artist. He specializes in the music of New York State, historic stuff, such as uh, what we just heard. How did you get into this uh, line of work? (laughs) That's a great question. Um, About 20 years ago, I was contacted by a fellow musician, friend of mine in Buffalo, and he said... uh, you know, we have this three-piece group. We go into schools and we do Erie Canal music. And uh, at that time, I really hadn't—I wasn't familiar with any Erie Canal music. Uh, never had thought twice as to whether it even existed or not. Um, but I essentially got hired to do this gig. So, as a freelance musician at the time, that's what you did—is you went and played when people asked you to come play. So I went into this Catholic school. I'll never forget it. At 8:30 in the morning on a, a Tuesday or something and uh, played, uh, just sort of filled in instrumentally and played with this, these other two guys playing Erie Canal music. And I just got hooked. It, it got me really, I've always been interested in history, So, and of course I've always loved music and been a musician, and so uh, it really got me interested in, um, you know, I, I'm aware of music from other places in America. We all know about music from the southern Appalachian Mountains, for instance. Uh, so it got me curious about, well, what's this music that we have here in New York and, and did people play? Do we have the same kinds of music here mm-hmm. that was passed down through the generations? And so for the last 15 years or so, well, yeah, 20 years, um, ever since that first gig <laughs> doing Erie Canal music, I've just been following the trail and trying to, uh, you know, uncover evidence of this, this older music that used to be a part of a more a regular part of daily life here. Mm. And I can really relate to, uh, the enjoyment you take in doing this, you have a quote in a web uh, newspaper article, I love the chase, said uh, Ruck. Uh, and that that's true, isn't it? When you, you get on something, oh, you're, you're going to find uh, you know something Nick Stoner did, and you start researching Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and fortunately, there were song collectors, just like uh, Alan Lomax would be a very familiar name to a lot of people who went around uh, different parts of America collecting old songs. Well, uh, there were... No, no less than 10 song collectors who worked in New York State as well. Hardly any of their work's ever been published, and it certainly doesn't have a, a there's no broad awareness. Um, so, yeah, part of the chase is finding out, oh, my gosh, at this archive, obscure archive in Indiana, they have recordings of Catskill uh, Mountain region uh, lumberjacks who were recorded in the 1930s, old men at the time singing the songs they'd learned to entertain themselves with in the lumber camps during the winter. So things like that, and they just it gets me really excited to uncover the stuff, to see what it sounds like, and then uh, I also love to present it to audiences so other people can hear it. And let's talk ethnic for a moment. You found that, that some ethnic groups, you find a lot of the music, others not so much. That's right, yeah. And uh, certainly some of that is just the bias or the interest of the people who collected the music initially, you know. If they were interested in what, what we call child ballads, which are the old ancient ballads from Ireland and Scotland and England, 
then they weren't concerned if they if they met an African American fellow who had come up from the South and had a different repertoire of songs, they might not have thought to you know document those. And so um, the the sort of black heritage is something I'm always interested in, and I've found little scraps here and there, but nothing really solid so far. And uh, certainly the things that were in uh, tongues other than in- the English language, you know, the German songs that came over, the Dutch. Those things, I think, were 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 sung in small, uh, sort of insular communities, but eventually, sort of, uh, they they just sort of died out because you know uh, everybody else was singing in English. So um, there's still a lot to be discovered, that's for sure. Well, let's listen to another uh, tune, and then we'll talk about that. And we have one more to play. Uh, this tune is called "Ball and Pin." Thank you. 
That's Ball and Pin, played by Dave Ruck and others. Dave, joining us on the Historian's Podcast. Who were you playing with on this piece? Oh, those are a couple of longtime Buffalo friends, Phil Banizak and his wife Gretchen, who are both wonderful fiddle players. And what you heard there was actually a medley of two tunes. The first is Ball and Pin Hornpipe from a Tug Hill, New York, uh, fiddler, old-time fiddler named Henry Castor, who's long gone now. And uh, the second one was of uh, even more local provenance to your area, uh, a tune from the repertoire of uh, Vic Kibler, who's a, uh, just recently passed away, but uh, a wonderful Adirondack fiddler. Hmm. Looking at uh, your website about your appearances, uh, and I realize you probably wouldn't put something on the website that wasn't so great, but, I mean, you get you get all this uh, positive feedback from young and old. <laughs> I Well, I work in a lot of schools. That's one of my main things. I do, uh, music is my full-time living, and so I'd say probably 70% of the time I'm, I'm performing this music uh, with kids and using the music to teach kids about history. So... I, I go into 60 or 70 schools every year as a visiting artist um, and help kids connect with history through song, you know. Um, so uh, that's that's really fun, and um, I, I enjoy my time with kids tremendously. And then the rest of the time, I, uh, I've been a speaker in the humanities for the New York Council for the Humanities for the last nine years, which has allowed me to travel all over the state and present this music in different uh, formats to audiences of adults, generally at historical societies and museums and places like that. So, uh, I mean, every it, it's, a, it's a wonderful, uh, it, it, it's communal music, and it, uh, I haven't found an audience yet that can't connect with it. Mm. Well, I saw one of the program organizers said it was a mighty performance. Uh, you, get, <laughs> you get people to sing along, or how does that work? I do, yeah. I, uh, I'm very much about, I don't just stand there and perform, um, I think working with kids is what got me over the hump of uh, uh, any fear I used to have of public speaking. And so my my goal when I take this music out and perform it for people is to get them involved in it, to bring them into it through the stories behind the songs. And eventually, I yeah, at every performance I'll have people singing. Uh, it's not required. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I love to get the audience involved and to engage them. And, and uh, the, there's so many great stories behind all this music that it, it's not hard to get people's interest with it. Now, if history is a guide, uh, at the program you're doing in the Capital District Saturday, June 13th, the Maybe Farm, Rotterdam uh, Junction, I imagine you'll have an, uh, an adult uh, crowd. What, what is it that adults uh, relate to in this? Well, um, typically at events like what we're going to be doing at the Maybe Farm, um, th- these are history-minded people to begin with who are going to be in the audience for the most part. Although we'll certainly, I'm sure we'll have some families, and I'm sure we'll have some people who uh, are just there because it sounds like a nice event. It's actually going to be a very festive event with beer and wine, uh, from what I'm told yes. by the organizers. Mm-hmm. Um, so what they will get out of it is some wonderful, and I always try to regionalize, you know, I my research uh, is New York state based. So everything from what was going on in Western New York on the great lakes and the Erie canal to what was happening down uh, the Hudson Valley and up into the Adirondacks and Catskills, etc. What, but I always try to regionalize my, my performance uh, to where I am performing. And so um, they're going to be hearing a lot of stuff from the Adirondacks when I perform um, at maybe farm, some things from the Catskills and, and even from uh, colonial Albany Um, and so 
it'll uh, it's just kind of a really nice, easy way to to enter into some some wonderful stories about the the region. Mm. Well, in connection with them serving beer and wine, uh, the last song that we're going to hear doesn't mention <laughs> spirits, but it does have to do uh, with, uh, well, uh, in, in most versions of this particular kind of song, you, you say uh, that alcohol plays a factor. That's right, yeah. This is a song, uh, if any of your listeners, I'm sure none of your listeners, now that I think of it, have spent any time in Irish pubs. <laughs> but if they had, they may have even heard a version of this song uh, this is one of those ancient songs that comes over from uh, the British Isles and is brought over here with some of the earliest settlers and sung and passed down through the generations. And so, uh, like we said at the beginning of the program, these songs tended to change when they got passed from person to person and generation to generation. And so this version that I sing here on the recording is from the northeastern corner of the Adirondack Park uh, from a woman who heard it in the 1880s growing up there. And... Um, so typically the man in the story, uh, the man comes home having had too much to drink, and he notices that things don't look quite the way they did when he left, and he asks his wife a series of questions, and she gives him some some um, some odd answers. And so in this particular version, uh, the alcohol gets left out of the story, but it's, I, I feel it's just as charming of a, of a tale. Okay, it's uh, Dave Ruck, and it's called Cabbage Head. old man he came home one night his young wife to see there he found another coat where his coat ought to be well you old fool you silly fool you foolish fool said she that's only a bed quilt dear mother sent to me well i've traveled this wide world over ten thousand miles or more but buttons on a bed quilt I ain't never seen before. The old man, he came home the next night, his young wife to see. There he found another arm where his arm ought to be. Well, you old fool, you silly fool, you foolish fool, said she. That's only a rolling pin dear mother sent to me. Well, I've traveled this wide world over 10,000 miles or more. But fingers on a rolling pin I ain't never seen before. came home the next night his young wife to see and there he found another head where his head ought to be well you old fool you silly fool you foolish fool said she that's only a cabbage head dear mother sent to me well i've traveled this wide world over ten thousand miles or more but a mustache on a cabbage head I ain't never seen before. 
That's Cabbage Head with Dave Ruck. There was one uh, kind of, I don't know if it's a series of tunes or uh, performance that you've done where you do an Iroquois song. That's right. What is that? Well, uh, I am not an Iroquois person myself, and I always uh, I always uh, take care to point that out to audiences. I don't sing the songs uh, to try to represent the culture. But what I've done is I've learned to sing a few um, sections of some traditional Iroquois songs um, just so that I can introduce other audiences to something like what Iroquois singing sounds like. Most people have never heard Iroquois singing. Um, and so uh, I first got interested in, in uh, sort of researching Iroquois music uh, as I got to know fourth grade teachers around the state. The Iroquois, the Haudenosaunee people, are that's one of the main social studies units every year for fourth graders mm-hmm. around the state. And so I, uh, I went back to the old field recordings back in the 1930s and 40s. There were some ethnologists and uh, historians who, uh, you know, there was, there was a very real fear that Iroquois language and traditions were going to be, um, were on their way out as uh, Iroquois people became more sort of Americanized and, and were in some, mm-hmm. um, in some capacity were leaving their old traditions behind. And, and, so, and Dave, on uh, that note, I mean, we're running, running out of time. I do want to mention once again, maybe you'll perform some of that at the program uh, in Rotterdam Junction. Uh, the Schenectady County Historical Society performance Saturday, June 13th at the Maybe Farm Historic Site, Route 5S in Rotterdam Junction. People want to email me if they want to find uh, more information. Please do. Dave Ruck, you have a good day. Thanks, Bob. You too.